What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another edition of Green with Envy. As always, it's your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Benakis. What's going on, my guy? Man, I, I can't stop smiling because the the word coach, the moniker coach actually applies to me at this time. Um, I haven't coached in a few years, but we have a very special guest. Um, Will, I'll let you do the introduction, but I'm super excited to have this guy on the pod today. Yeah, very exciting show today. So on, on the back half of this podcast, Greg and I are going to do a second half preview, looking at some of the bigger questions looming over the Celtics for the second half. And you know what? I hate saying second half because there's 23 games left. That's such that's so misleading. I don't know why the NBA does it this way. But into the last stretch of the season, we'll go over three questions for the Celtics, two questions that we each have for the NBA at large. We'll cover that in the back half. But before we get into that, as Greg mentioned, we do have a guest joining us today to help us review all things from this past All-Star Weekend. We have our colleague over at Celtics Blog, Robbie Hoden, joining us today. What up, Robbie? What's going on, guys? Thanks for thanks for having me on. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, man. Excited to have you on here. And, you know, one of the big reasons that we wanted to have you join us on the show today is you have an article that's coming out. So this podcast should be recording Tuesday night. Uh, should be dropping Wednesday, so a day early. Surprise. Y'all welcome. Uh, Wednesday, Robbie has an article coming out, three fixes for All-Star Saturday Night. And Robbie, I haven't read the article yet. Obviously, it hasn't dropped yet. So I'm excited to get a preview and hear about this because I am 100% old man grumpy, just I think All-Star Weekend kind of stinks. Even though I'll tune in and out, I think it stinks. So I want to hear these fixes. I'm in uh, in a very, very similar spot to you. I, I Every year... Despite despite last year, you know the letdown. I'm I'm always excited about it. Um, this year was no different, and again, it disappointed. So I, I came up with some ways to fix um, only Saturday night. So I'm not talking about okay. the actual game itself. Um, just Saturday so let, night. let's do this, Robbie. Let's go one by one. So let's give, give us the first fix, and then let's let, let Greg and I will react to it, and then we'll go down through the other ones as well. All right. So the first fix is just replacing the skills competition with. A passing competition so obviously skills competition was uh as it is every year pretty pretty painful to watch like nobody's trying hard um and people are just kind of going through the motions not playing hard at all and so um i wanted to figure out something where it would be difficult to not try and so if you can imagine basically the the passing uh those hoops that they have that they used I actually used them this past weekend for the the second part of it. Um, and if you can imagine, you know, throwing a righty pass and then throwing a lefty pass, throwing a righty bounce pass, throwing a lefty bounce pass, throwing a behind the back pass. Um, and the reason I like it is because, and similar to the three point contest, there's no, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get out there and not try, you know, you're not just going to go through the motions of something like that. Just like the three point contest, you're not going to, get out there and like chuck up shots. You know what I mean? It's a difficult thing to not exert maximum effort. And so, um, yeah, I think it would be, I think it would be pretty interesting. Imagine like Jokic and smart and Tyrese Halliburton and all these great passers thrown behind the back passes, seeing who's the most accurate passer. Okay. I like it. I like it for year one, especially because I think anytime you're introducing something new, just the novelty of it, people are going to tune in for the interest of it. You know, for that, I don't know how many years they had it, but they had the horse competition for a little bit. I remember Rondo and I think, I think Rondo went up against KD or something like that. He was drilling threes in that competition. This was like when Rondo was notorious for not being able to shoot and he went back and forth with KD for like five shots. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, but even that like, wasn't a great competition because they weren't really trying. So, I like the idea that, you know, these guys are going to have to sort of try just because the nature of the of the competition is going to necessitate that they try. My right. question would be, is after year one, how do we keep that thing fresh to the point where it doesn't get too gimmicky and then people end up like thinking, oh, this is just another thing that like has just become a gimmick like the Elam ending. The Elam ending like, what, didn't have any any weight behind it this year. Right. Yeah, I see what you mean there. I, I think, you know, there's there's no shortage of like different passes you can do. Mm-hmm. So I think you can keep adding new things. Um, like it's just coming to me right now. How about like an over the head pass to like a moving target, like an outlet pass? Um, and I think you can just keep coming just like the three point competition is now doing a deep three, which I love, by the way. Um, yeah. we, should, we should talk about that. But I, I think, it. you know, you can always there's always new passes and you can add no looks in there. 
uh, tons of different things. I think this kind of reminds me a little bit of like in the in the NFL. And I'll be honest, I haven't watched. I know the Pro Bowl has changed like a skills competition, but I'm literally thinking back to when they used to have that QB competition, like back yeah. in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and it was like who can throw the ball the farthest, who has the different accuracy. And to your point, like even if they were out there just messing around, they still had to try. So I kind of like that angle for it. Like there's no way that you're not going to try and hit this moving target. But it was funny right. as, as, as Greg was talking about, like it's when, when's it going to start to get gimmicky? The first thing I thought about was, you know, like Blake Griffin jumping over a Kia. What are we going to have? Like Chris Paul bounce passing through a, through a back window of a Kia, or I don't know like <laughs> what's, what's going to be the next, uh, you know, product placement that we have in there. You got to, you know, like what was it when you tried to get the bottle cap off maybe you have a starry bottle and then you have like the bottle cap you got to somehow get off the basketball now we're getting next level to it but i I think there's a good base for this i I think you know i saw a clip because this is what everybody loves to do right when the all-star weekend comes around they start showing you clips of either older all-star events or like non-traditional sporting events of of the way they do it and i saw in japan they had like a bunting competition i don't know if this is like recent or you know a couple 10 years ago or whatever but I watched a, a five-minute video of guys bunting into a zone to try and see who could get the most points. That's like the most fundamentally basic part of, of the sport. And so I think that's where I really like your idea that it's like it's very easy to relate to. It's very relatable to anyone who's ever played basketball that just understands right. how the game works. And you have to put in some level of effort to be able to either hit these targets or get certain scores. And so if you can bring out the competition – in a way that they don't have to overexert themselves and you get Jokic involved because Jokic is very non-engaged his entire weekend. And so I'm definitely forgetting Jokic involved. Yeah. So I, I like this as your first idea, Robbie. Um, I like it for year one. I need to see proof of concept, but I'm into it. You've passed the test so far. Let's hear Let's hear idea number two. All right, there we go. Number two, I have a feeling this one will go pretty well. It's going to be a king of the court challenge, but it's Love with it. a twist. It's with a twist. So people... People are talking about one-on-one. I've seen that on Twitter, and uh, I've actually seen some other articles about, you know, trying to get people to play one-on-one at All-Star Weekend and have a king of the court. Have you guys seen the US Team USA one-on-one video? Those famous viral videos of like, like Kyrie the and KD and them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going one-on-one yeah. in Vegas. Yeah, I've right. seen those. Right. So obviously, um, you know, I think the basis of this one is that. NBA players have a sense of pride, like when there's a guy in front of them and they're the only one between them and the hoop, like they're going to try and stop them in a different way that they would try and stop them during the all-star game. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the basis of it. But if, if some guys do go a little bit half speed, which could always happen, I have a, a little twist for that. So we're going to add in five G league players, mm-hmm. be the five, five of the best Five of the best, we'll take the five highest scorers, and they're all obviously going to want to do it because they're in the G League and they're getting invited to All-Star Weekend. So for that, from their standpoint, they're trying to prove that, you know, they want an NBA contract. They're trying to prove that they can compete with these guys. They're going to put in maximum effort. And then from the standpoint of the NBA players, like Kevin Durant's not going to let Mac McClung win the King of the Court Challenge at All-Star Weekend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so I think there's an incentive for them too to play hard um and whether it's you know even if it's embarrassment that's making them play hard okay it's, it's fine with me as long as it's as long as it creates some good one-on-one so i, li- I like this idea i have so I, I think there's one issue with it so i think okay. you'd either have to do this one of two ways i think if you're going to have the g league players in it which i like then this just kind of becomes like the next level of the rising stars game. And it's going to be just guys that are, you know, first four years in the league or so, because I think if you open it up and you try to get guys like Kevin Durant, it becomes like the dunk contest. Like there's not a ton of upside, but there's a ton of downside to the internet roasting you to your point for getting beat by Mac McClung. And so I think that would probably deter these guys from doing it. Once they're out there, I think they would be, into it but i think just them weighing that with all their camps and all their different people like they're going to be like i don't know man just on the off chance matt mcclung hits a fadeaway shot on you like that's right. just gonna that's gonna turn into a meme for all of twitter to use so i, I think that's where it, either you have to limit who from the nba side of it is gonna be in. i think if they're i think if it's rising stars they'll still do it i think like paolo would do it or Franz right. or something like that right and that could still be really cool the one thing i did think of though if we did want to get because like you heard a few players say all these guys, despite 
how many cars, how much money they have. They're all still financially driven. Right. What if we turned the king of the court into like a WWE style? Like, you know how they put, uh, what is it, like money in the bank or whatever? Like everyone's fighting after the ca- the cash that's in the one suitcase and they got to climb <laughs> to the top rope. But it's king of the court and the winner gets, I don't know, $2 million or a million dollars or whatever it is. And it's like, I don't know, there's qualifiers for who can be in it or something. I don't know. There's a way, I think that idea, but then, because I think the best, like the for king of the court, you really want to have the king's on the court like you know you right. want to have the best of the best so i i like where where you're going with this i just got to find a way to make sure i get the best of the best out there yeah i think that's a i think that's a good point uh, and i still also think it would be fun with you know a lot of these younger nba guys who are trying to prove themselves themselves you know they're gonna want to do it and i think they're gonna it still would be super enjoyable to, to watch those guys go at it yeah, it's interesting because like you got to figure out what level of player would actually want to participate and who who has nothing to lose, um, everything to gain, like those type of guys. So, like, I'm just thinking of Celtics guys, like Grant Williams, right? If you put Grant, that, yeah. <laughs> if you put Grant Williams out there and he ends up losing that competition, that might be look look really bad for him. You know, just right. like moving forward, um, just right, in public right. perception and everything. But what, as Will was talking about the the wrestling. I was like, man, what if what if there was a way to do it like Royal Rumble? You know what I mean? You have like 30 guys where you don't know who's coming out. And uh, and then like the crowd, you know, the crowd goes crazy when um, I don't know, maybe they bring in a legend like T-Mac comes out of the crowd and he, he gets oh, to hop into the game. You know, that's, just, that's interesting. Just put a little wrinkle into it. Have some fun with it. But I think like the biggest thing is that these guys just need to have fun. Right. Like in all these competitions, if they're having fun, the the competitive juices are naturally going to get going. If they're just going through the motions, it's not going to be fun for anybody. So I, I like this idea because I do think it's going to um, kind of cause people to want to have a little bit more fun with it. I like it, Robbie. Hold on real yep. quick. Before before we go to the, to the next idea, Greg, I just thought of this. And Robbie, I don't know if you've heard Greg's idea for a rookie of the year championship belt, but I feel like there's some synergy here, Greg. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like we could combine this in here somehow with like the three rookie of the year finalists and then getting them. I don't know. There's, there's something here. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's not for right now, but it's something that that I think we need to. Let me just, let me just tell Robbie real quick. So my idea is that the, the rookie of the year award is actually a three-year competition where it's a player of the class belt. And that every year for the first three years of their contracts, that's really before anybody gets like a lot of accolades that they're competing for it. So, right. Um, Chet is out this year, but that doesn't exclude him from the competition. So year two, there's increased points for if you win the year two competition. So you could end up stealing the belt year two. And then maybe there's a Paolo Chet year three competition going on. Um, but that, that, that's my idea. I've, I've pitched it to a few different people um, at the ringer that have been on our show before. <laughs> I'm trying to get it up the ladder to Bill Simmons. Cause he always ends up getting, getting those ideas into Adam Silver's ear. So that's I, my idea. I absolutely love it. I've got no, I have no qualms, no, no possible like thing to make that any better. I think that's a, a great idea. Cause I, I don't really care about the, the best rookie. I care about the best prospect in, you know, a few years. So I, I love it. I think it's great. Thanks yeah. bro. <laughs> we get we get we gotta combine those two ideas. We'll have we'll have we'll have a brainstorm uh, off the air here. But Robbie, so far, you know, I'm gonna say you're one and a half for two. We're, we're, we got that second idea. Right. We've we, we've got something there. We've got something there. What do you got for your third fix for All Star Saturday Night? All right, now this one this one might be a little a little controversial. I want to rebrand the dunk contest, and it's gonna become a who can dunk on the highest rim contest. So. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when Dwight Howard dunked on the 12 foot rim at the 2013 dunk contest? So just imagine you got to, I mean, it, the one problem with this is it's catered towards bigger, taller players, which, mm-hmm. um, but the issue with the dunk contest in my eyes is that you can go on YouTube and find some guy you've never heard of who can do a crazier dunk than you're ever going to see in the NBA dunk contest. And so it's like, not to mention that all the dunks in the NBA dunk contest have already been done in a previous contest. So it's like, I think it's, I'm, I'm a little bit tired of it and I want to just see who can, who can dunk on the highest rim so that everybody starts at 10 feet, goes to 11 to 12, keep going up. I think Rob Williams would have a, a shot at this title. Yeah, he'd be in the mix. I mean, so it, I think the perfect example of this was Jericho Sims from, exactly. from, from all-star Saturday night because yeah. his dunks looked very 
unimpressive and bland in the moment but when you slow it down and you look at that like his chin is basically you know like almost he could put his chin basically on the rim at certain points i don't know what he was doing with that index card that was a really stupid gimmick but you know that's neither here nor there but for him this is a perfect competition because that guy jumps out the freaking gym and so i i think the only so i feel like if we're making if we're looking at this as a whole the three fixes that you have yeah the one thing i think we'd have to do is shift the order of them because I think yeah. this could work, but this has to be maybe even like the opening appetizer of the night. Like, I don't think this this can't be the finale, but I think this could get the people going. And to your point, it's going to cater to to some of those athletic centers. So you're going to have Jericho Sims. You're going to have, you know, Rob Williams in this, um, you know, a prime Blake Griffin back in the day might be somebody who gets in this DeAndre Jordan. And mm-hmm. I do think that it would be that that would be that would be fun to watch. I think it's got to be the opener versus the closer. But I think there's something there. And again, I think it's something that they're not going to, it's not the type of thing like the three point contest, like the passing contest that I talked about. You're not going to go out there and like not give it your all at something like that, which I think is, again, as you said, Greg, the most important part. Like if people can see that they're having fun, then it's more fun for the viewer. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think the all-star game itself also needs some fixes. I'm not really sure what those are, but you know, the next time we have you on Robbie, maybe we'll make this an annual thing. We can talk <laughs> about uh, fixing the all-star game itself. Cause that, although that was a lot of fun for a Celtics fan. Well, let's, overall, let's talk about the all-star was, yeah, game for yeah, a little bit, it. because I mean, so I'll be, I'll just, I'll just be real and, and cop up to it. I watched the first half. I was bored as hell. And so I, I turned it off and I watched The Last of Us on HBO. Fantastic show. <laughs> I'm not going to ruin it for anybody who hasn't watched it yet, but just make sure you go you go watch that show. And so I actually didn't even know that you know Tatum had dropped 55 and won the MVP until after The Last of Us ended. I was like, all right, let's see if I can catch the you know last little bit. Because Greg, like you said, Elam ending, sometimes it's kind of fun because it's actually competitive. It had no bearing on this game. It was you know a layup line, people taking jump shot after jump shot. And so the game was over by the time I went to go check in. I just saw on Twitter, holy crap, you know, Jason Tatum just dropped 55 points in the All-Star game. This should be massively impressive not to mention the masked man himself jalen brown showed up and dropped 35 points this should be like a, a massive triumph for celtic twitter where we're just riding high with our chests out but it just feels kind of hollow and shallow and and it was like it very much in passing oh that's cool and then i literally moved on 30 seconds later so i don't know what were your guys just thoughts of how how that game played out this past weekend go ahead robbie i mean i think first of all I completely agree with you. It was, it was really difficult to watch. And I heard some people saying like, it's like a pickup basketball game. Like no, that, that, that's actually not (laughs) what a pickup basketball. If you've ever played pickup basketball, people like get actually in a stance uh, and, you know, play until they're, they're gassed. And then they, like that's when they start slowly running back. We see these dudes every summer at the same gym in LA playing right. at UCLA or playing at, I forget what gym it is right now off the top of my head, that they're all playing at that same gym. It's way more intense than what we saw on way Sunday more. night. Way more. If they could, if they could get something like that going, which obviously it's not, they're not exerting probably maximum effort, but there's like some pride there, like man to man going against each other. Um, but yeah, I thought it was painful to watch. And I, I thought like Tatum won the MVP, but anybody who wanted to win it and take a bunch of shots and get to the rim could have won it. So yeah, that's why I like with Tatum, the fact that he had 55 and like he was hitting shots. So like that's still impressive because you know, a bunch of guys could have taken what he take like 23s or something like that. And 10 of 18, 10 of 18. Yeah. So like, there could have been another player that took 18 threes that didn't hit 10 of them. You know, I know Dame took a, a crap ton of threes as well. So like, that was at least impressive that he didn't just get dunks the whole time. Like I think it was it Anthony Davis a couple of years ago had yeah, like he had fifty two. Yeah, but I think a majority like of twenty those dunks were, or whatever yeah, were it was, literally yeah. just dunks. So it's like not yeah. as impressive. But in general, I think even the guys that I expected to play hard didn't play hard. Like I thought Ty- Tyrese Halliburton was going to be out there like trying to d people up and like make people look silly. He didn't really have a feel for how to navigate the game. Same thing with SGA. He didn't really do anything in the game and. I was just disappointed in general that there was just not even one moment where all the 10 guys on the court were playing hard or even like giving 70%. They weren't even giving 70%. They were giving like 40% the entire game. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, and I don't know where this went wrong. I've seen, you know, like I talked about before, around this time, you start seeing all these clips of, you know, the game in Utah back in 93. And just in a five-minute clip, you know, you get Shaq going for a dunk and Barkley tries to block it. Like, that's really cool. You get, you know, John Stockton with a fast break to Clyde Drexler. You get, you know, Michael Jordan playing with, you know, whoever else, like Michael and Shaq run the pick and roll. Like, you get, like, actual gameplay. And it's like, damn. That was really freaking cool to watch. Whereas here, like the the biggest highlight, I mean, I think I took away from it was that minute stretch where JB and JT just went one on one back and forth, which for, you know, obviously as Celtics fans, that was really cool to watch. I mean, as any basketball fan, that was pretty cool to watch the two teammates kind of going at it. But I don't think two and a half hours of my time is mm-hmm. worth watching the two of them go three or four possessions back and forth one on one. And I, I honestly, at this point, I don't know what the answer is to fix it. And I don't know, like, I I think at some point I would like someone to do, you know, a deep dive into this is the line of demarcation. This is where it all started to go wrong because I know in our lifetime, we still have like some of the all-star games that were at least competitive or at least fun to watch. And then somewhere it just completely lost the way. And I don't know if it's possible to get back. Me neither, bro. I don't have an answer. I haven't, I haven't written uh, an article like our guy, Rob. (laughs) Well, that's going to be for next time for us to to figure out. But Robbie, we uh, we appreciate you joining us here, man, to chop it up about All Star Weekend. Uh, real quick, I know that your article is dropping on Wednesday on Celtics Blog. But if you have anything else that you want to promote, let the people know where they can find you. Take the floor. Yeah, I've been I've been writing for Celtics Blog, so you can find find all my stuff on there. And uh, yeah, I, I have my own website, analyticcity.com, If you want to check out some uh, some past articles I've written, I've written there appreciate you guys having me on yeah no doubt robbie and uh we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll come back preview the second half and talk about the nba mvp straw poll that came out last week all right second half of the podcast greg second quote-unquote half of the season is here and along with that right before we get into our five-ish questions that we have surrounding the second half wanted to just cover with you and obviously this is you know this came out prior to Jason Tatum going off, as we talked about, 55 points, winning the All-Star MVP. Uh, pretty cool, though, that he has scored 50 points now in the All-Star game, regular season, playoffs, and the play-in. That, that's pretty cool for our guy, JT. What wasn't quite as cool, but of note, so Tim Bontemps for ESPN does an MVP straw poll, does one basically at the quarter part of the season, or a little past the quarter part of the season, another one about uh, three-fourths of the way in, so right about now, um, to kind of get a you know, a read on where the voters are at. And so after the first straw poll, Jason Tatum was in the lead for MVP. Second results came out just a few days before the All-Star game where he has dropped to fourth. And now it looks like Nikola Jokic by a resounding lead, then Giannis, then Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, and Luka Doncic. I just want to get your thoughts, Greg. What what was your thoughts on Tatum going from four to one? Of course, you and I have our own quarterly poll that we'll be checking in on next week. Yeah, it's not his fault. You know, some guys have had some great seasons. Um, I think for whatever reason, Tatum's game, even though it seems like it should measure up to like national standards, just like an aesthetically pleasing game. He tries hard. He has, he makes big shots. He plays both ends of the court. He has highlight moments. You would think that would keep him in the narrative, but I don't know, man. I guess maybe it's a little bit of like, uh, I think I heard KOC talking about this, like a little bit of groupthink that like all these writers are listening to the same podcast. They all listen to KOC. They all listen to Bill Simmons. They all listen to Zach Lowe. And like, maybe they're all just convinced themselves that Jokic is the three-time MVP. Maybe it's almost working in reverse, you know, the effect of, oh, Jokic can't win because it's Mm -hmm. it'd be his third time. Now they're like, why can't he win? Like just because it's his third time, that doesn't mean he can't win. And now everyone's doing the same thing, which I see, which I feel like happens a lot in the podcast sphere. I kind of just feel like I hear a lot of the people just saying the same stuff all the time. So I don't know, maybe that, that that's the reason. I personally don't have Tatum right now as the MVP. I have Giannis as the MVP, but with Giannis's wrist injury, man, who knows? Yeah, that was, uh, I, I must've missed that right before the all-star break. Cause I wasn't really aware of that until he was, you know, selecting the all-star team and EJ kind of mentioned it and then he had that one dunk and then sat out. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Giannis. But, but to your point of, of group thing, and obviously, you know, you and I do our show, you and I consume a lot of content. Sometimes that content is what we bring here because we want to talk about it. We want to discuss it from potentially a different angle. And, you know, I even said like, 
as we started to do our quarterly, you know, check-ins on all NBA and MVP, that I'm just I'm just not going to put Jokic at the top of of my list because I think it should be really difficult to win three times in a row, and you should probably have to have some type of championship equity to go along with it. Mm-hmm. I've been starting to convince myself that I'm wrong. You know, I've been starting to fall into that group thing of does he really need that? Because there are times where you look at, man, I think maybe Jokic is having the best season. And I don't know where, you know, I'm going to have to sit down and think about this again sometime over the next week or so before we come on here and do our three quarter, you know, season check in here and, and give our kind of top five. But, you know, I think it's really interesting with Jokic because let's say hypothetically, he wins it this year because, you know, based on the straw poll, he's a pretty strong lead, a pretty strong indicator that he may win his third straight. And let's say the Nuggets, you know, lose in the second round or lose in the Western Conference finals. Don't 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 make the finals. Then next year, does everyone that had that original thought of, well, he can't win three straight because he's never made the finals or won the finals. Like, do you have that same? Th- is, is it now just pushed out a year or are we now yeah. like, well, we already did it three times. Why can't we do it four? Cause he's probably yeah. going to have another great season. So it, it puts you in this kind of precarious position of like, what, when are we going to draw the line here? Or what, what does it mean? So I don't know. It, it, I was surprised by how big the lead was for Nikola Jokic, but I'm with you. I think right now it's basically a four person race. I think Tatum has an outside chance. Cause I think if the Celtics end up with the best record, best player, best record, best team, that's going to give him an opportunity, but I think he's got to get hot. He's got to get like mm-hmm. supernova hot to overcome the guys in front of him, specifically Giannis and Jokic. I think Embiid he can overcome. He's pretty close based on this poll here, as far as they're like neck and neck for three and four. But I think Giannis and Jokic are going to be tough to overcome. Uh, but we'll have to see. I, I wouldn't say Tatum's out of it, but I I wouldn't say he's certainly not the favorite right now. Yeah, and that's okay. He's still having a heck of a season. Yeah. I think in this this season with all these great players, like the fact that he's going to finish in the top three, top four and MVP voting is an accomplishment in itself. Yeah. So there's a hell of a lot about him as a player. So with that, let's go to our quote unquote, once again, second half preview. Uh, as you texted me, there's 23 games left, which, which seems insane right now. The Celtics are 42 and 17 as we're recording this here. First place in the Eastern conference, first place in the NBA, narrowly ahead of both the bucks in the East and the bucks and the nuggets collectively in the NBA. So, we're going to do five-ish second-half questions here. We may have some that overlap. We're going to do three that are specifically related to the Celtics and then at least two that we have that are kind of general NBA questions. Uh, Greg, why don't you go first here with a Celtics question that you have? All right, question number one. Will Joe Missoula settle into his role as head coach and make the strides we hope he can make? Right. We all know that by most accounts, he has had one of the most successful head coaching debuts of any first year head coach, right? Coach of the month, first month in the league, all-star game coach, best record in the league up, up until the all-star game. He's done it all, but at the end of the day, he's still a rookie head coach who, quite frankly, wouldn't have been the head coach if it weren't for Ime's transgressions. And if they you know, had come to light earlier than they did. Maybe Will Hardy is the head coach of the Boston Celtics, right? So he's almost like the third candidate um, for the Celtics in in this job. But the job is now his. Uh, He's doing it his way, which you definitely have to respect. You would just hope that he's learned enough thus far and will continue to learn enough lessons to get this team Mm -hmm. over the hump, especially if, like, we end up in a matchup with Spo in, in the heat. You know, like, that's worst case scenario for the Celtics, in my opinion. Yeah, that's I think that's really when you look at the, you know, top tier of contenders, that's going to be the the ma- the coaching matchup that you worry about the most, right? Is going to be going up against Spo in the wrong time, wrong situation, missing guys, whatever it might be, and you know the heat kind of gear up for the Celtics. But with Missoula, you know, I, I think first of all, the the thing that's probably most important is that his computer settings are updated to the proper <laughs> settings by the time, you know, we get to the playoffs and that, you know, he's shut down the computer done the full reboot and make sure that he's up get all of you know get everything yeah, up make, to make sure here. he make sure he's charging when the update yeah, happens. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah all, all, all of his gigabytes and whatnot are, are operating at at full force but no like i i, I do think with missoula you know the one thing i, I do want to credit him with is number one he came into a situation that he easily could have folded it would have been, despite the talent on this team, it would have been pretty easy to to lose control or to, you know, be a, a really bright sore spot for this team. And despite the nitpicks we've had, he's been pretty damn good. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course, we have a few things here and there, as you would with a 34-year-old head coach. Hell, we're th- you're going to be 34 in a few days. Happy early birthday, my guy. Thank you're you. going to be 34 in a few days. You're going on your Joe Missoula year. We're going to call it your <laughs> Joe Missoula year here. We're going to reboot you in a couple of days and get you going for your Joe Missoula year. But, you know, I, I think he does tend to experiment a little bit. I know with Ime, remember last year with Ime, one of our biggest complaints early on was, dude, you, I get that you think Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder should be out there together. We've clearly seen it hasn't, it, like it's not working, and it took forever to kind of make that change. We talked about calling it the 2K lineups, where it's like, well, we don't even need to watch the game. We know what Ime's substitution pattern is going to be. You see Joe Mazzula get a little bit more creative. Joe Mazzula has been, you know, hopefully intaking the data of, you know, different starting lineups. Sometimes it's, it's you know, he's kind of forced into it because not everyone's been healthy. But even when everyone's been healthy, he's had lineups where he's put Derek White in or somewhere Derek White has come off the bench or Rob Williams has come off the bench because he feels like it, you know. But I think that experimentation you know down the line is something that could be beneficial to him so i like to think that all of the data that he's gathering over 82 games he'll then have that at his disposal to be able to make the right calls when it matters most now i think the biggest concern could be that you know as a 34 year old rookie head coach there's not really a ton of experience on that bench right you know at least if it's you know another young guy like will hardy will hardy was apparently you know very very important to the in-game adjustments the celtics would make a year ago and so then you kind of have that that balancing act damon stoudemire is kind of that second lead and I, I don't i'll be honest i don't know enough about their relationship to know how much that's going to be you know support benefit you know i i would hope that he looks to brad stevens for some of that as well so i think what happens if you know times get a little rough? How do you respond when the lights are shining the brightest? That's the part that we're just not going to know until it happens. But I think everything that's building up to it leaves me with reasonable faith that I trust Joe Missoula going into the playoffs. Yeah, I think when the um, lights are shining brightest, Will, Joe's going to let him play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that is what he tends to do. That is no timeouts needed here. <laughs> All right, let me let me go to my first question here. So, you know, over these last couple of Celtics playoff runs, we always kind of have an unexpected playoff hero, whether it's Kelly Olynyk in Game 7, Grant Williams in Game 7 a year ago. So looking at this roster, and, and I'll give you my answer first, who do you think is going to be the unexpected playoff hero? And for me, I think it's going to be Derek White offensively. And I have to specify offensively. I think the defense is always going to be there. The D- Derek White, you know, I'm I'm captaining the ship of Derek White making an all defensive team this year, NBA all defensive team, first, second, whatever it might be. I think he should be there. But I think you've seen with the hot streak that, you know, Derek White has been on, he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, he's going to have a couple games where you're probably not shooting the ball great. He's going to make those little 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 things we always talk about, be that accentuator, be that connector. But I think Derek White is going to have a big game and a big moment where we see the shooting that he's had, you know, having a career year shooting the ball, where even if it takes some dips at different points in the playoffs, there's going to be a moment where I think a team is going to challenge Derek White, much like the Bucks ran out of options and decided we're challenging Grant Williams, see if he can take 17 threes and how many he can make. There's going to be a moment like that for Derek White, and I think he's the one to step up to the plate. I like that, but I also think with the Celtics roster, they have so many different guys that could step up, right? Especially when you factor in the variability of the three-point shot. Like Mike Muscala could be a guy that gets hot for a game. Sam Hauser could be a guy that gets hot for a game. And even Peyton Pritchard, even though he hasn't played much this year, they could he could end up in a in a situation in which I every other guard on the roster and Jason Tatum is hurt and Joe Mazzulla is like, I got to give the ball to Peyton now, you know, (laughs) and then Peyton ends up hitting a couple three pointers. I guess that's definitely possible. This actually leads into um, one of the questions that I had though. Will, Um, not, not realistic, but my Mm -hmm. second question was, will Danilo Gallinari make a miraculous return in the playoffs? Um, You know, say what you want about this being a pipe dream, but I do think that, Gallinari being a weapon in the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals, like we've said before, playing that Bielitsa-type role where you don't have to have him on the court for very long, but in the right matchup against the right team, if Gallinari has worked himself back, he's a guy that I trust. Even if 
you know, his, his body is not like a hundred percent. We know that his mentality, he's always going to be ready just because he's a veteran and he's been in the game for so long. So that was actually my, my uh, second question. Mm-hmm. Is there any possibility that Danilo Gallinari can make it back on the court for a uh, late playoff uh, miraculous performance? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a possibility. Do I think it's likely, do I think it's, necessary probably not to be honest and you know like all the things that you just said about having faith and the veteran being ready and you know we've heard a lot of great things like bobby bang did some reporting about how Janelle gavinar is like really using dangling that carrot of being able to come back to really focus on you know his rehab efforts but to me it seems like a bit of a stretch a guy that's not going to have you know, unless he, even if he comes back in the regular season, it would be the last week of the season or something, you know, very, very late. That's not going to have any reps with this team to come in and make a big splash. You know, I think sometimes that's tricky when you even look at a guy like Derek White last year, Mike Muscala this year. When they mm-hmm. come in at the trade deadline, sometimes that proposition is a little bit sketchy. Never mind a guy that, I mean, he got hurt in the Euro basket. He didn't even have a chance to come in at training camp. So, yeah. Other than shooting around, and I'm not sure what level of, you know, one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three he's doing at this point, if any, you know, he's just not going to have that continuity with the team. So to me, even if he is physically cleared to play, but doesn't have the reps, I just don't see that being the way to go unless we're, you know, unless we're in a break glass in case of emergency type situation where we've got multiple guys out mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, I mean, we, we still have an empty roster spot. So if it's down to, you know, whatever 10 day guy, maybe that we drag along the new version of Malik Fitz or, you know, Danilo Gallinari coming fresh out the IR, like I'd probably go Danilo Gallinari fresh out the IR, no disrespect to Malik Fitz, but you know, that's, that's probably where I would go. So unless we're in that situation, I don't know that I that I see that. I mean, I'm hopeful because Danilo, you know, you heard the stories of him being a Celtics fan growing up in Italy. Like, I think that's really cool. I'd love to see it work out. I just don't know if if it's going to happen this year. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, that's why the Celtics brought in Mescala, right? Is that there's yeah. no hope that Gallinari is probably going to come back. As I said, this is a it would be a miracle. It would be a pipe dream. Um, but for the exercise, I thought I'd throw it out there. Okay, I like it. I like it. All right, let me let me go to my next one here. And my question is, so right now the Celtics, as I mentioned before, they're 42 and 17 at the break here. The Bucks are 41 and 17, a half game behind. Philly's three games behind, but I still think this is, you know, especially with this Giannis injury, this puts a little bit of a wrinkle into it, I guess. But it feels like Celtics and Bucks are on a collision course, and it feels like that's kind of the race for the one seed. But let me ask you this, Greg. Does home court matter for the Celtics? You look at the run last year. They go six and six at home eight and four on the road in the playoffs last season. Now, obviously, if you have your choice, where do you want game seven? Game seven versus Milwaukee was at home. They won that game, but they also won game seven on the road in Miami. So I ask you, you know, with a team that I think we both would agree if they stay healthy, which could be one of the other questions that we ask in, you know, in this exercise is, is going to be, is probably the deepest and most talented team top to bottom for your main rotation in the league. You know, does home court really matter that much? Meaning getting the one or the two seed, is that going to make a big difference for you going into the playoffs? You you haven't been reading my notes. You haven't been looking at my Twitter? I have not. Oh man, let me let me show you what I tweeted three hours ago, Will. <laughs> uh let's get this pulled up here. So this is a tweet that I put out three hours ago. I kind of hope this happens, even if it means the C's lose home court. I think it's realistic, and I, it helps the C's avoid matchup nightmares. I think there'd be a real possibility the Knicks upset the Sixers, too. Anybody watching on YouTube, I have the Bucks in the one seed, the Celtics in the two seed, Philly in the three seed, Cleveland and Miami at the four or five, the Knicks at the six, Wizards getting the seventh seed, and the Hawks getting the eighth seed. So short answer to your question, no, I don't think home court matters because I actually think matchups matter most Mm -hmm. in this playoffs. I think there's just like a lot of parity in the Eastern conference. I think that the Celtics can beat the bucks no matter where that game um, occurs. So like, I don't think it matters. What I think is going into that matchup with the bucks that the Celtics are a hundred percent healthy. And I think again, a two, seven matchup against the wizards and then a two, three matchup against the winner of Philly or um, New York. 
so that mm-hmm. we avoid Cleveland and Miami. I think that to me is the best chance for the Celtics to be a hundred percent healthy going into a series against the Bucks, where they're going to need to be. Cause that's a war of attrition, as we said against Giannis. So I think you also answered another question that I had, like we said, this is five ish questions, folks. We, we don't do it by the books here. We do it. We do it what we feel. We do it. We do it how we want to do it. So one of the questions I had here, and this was part of a, a, th- a round table discussion that we did uh, for Celtics blog um, the other day, outside of the Bucks. Who's the biggest threat to the Celtics? Based off that list, what I think you're telling me, if I'm reading it correctly, you think it's Cleveland. I think Cleveland and Miami. Um, Cleveland just, and Miami. So you're looping them in, them in, them in together. Okay. Yeah, tell, that's tell, why tell, I, tell, tell me more about why those two are bigger threats than Philly, which I – and I agree with you at least on, on the Cleveland part for sure. And, you know, because I think when you look at it from, you know, from a, you know, a high-up vantage point, like you're looking at – Philly has Joel Embiid. Philly has James Harden, Tyrese Maxey. Like, it feels like that should be the answer, but I think I'm with you that I think it's at least Cleveland, and, and I'm not opposed to Miami being the answer as well, but I'd love to hear your reasons. I just think that we have a blueprint to cover a predictable team like Philly. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of Harden and Embiid pick and roll, and if, if they're not doing that, then it's a lot of Embiid posting up where you can send double teams to help. Um, I'm not, like, Worried about Tobias Harris shooting three-pointers. Not worried about P.J. Tucker shooting three-pointers. Melton's had a good season. Not worried about him hitting three-pointers when it matters. Maxi is the wild card. He hasn't lived up to quite the expectations that I think Philly fans were hoping. His role with the team's kind of been in flux all year. Um, they've got him coming off the bench again. It's just it's just weird. It felt like for them to be the team they needed to be, that Maxi needed to become a borderline all-star, and he just didn't make that leap, and it looked like he might. So I think that we have a blueprint for how to beat Philly, and we've had their number for years. Cleveland is new. New kid on the block. Donovan Mitchell looks at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. He's like, those are my boys. Those are my peers. I know that I can be better than them, and he has been better than them. Drop 40 in the All-Star game as well. We talk about Jalen dropping 35, Tatum 55, Mitchell drop 40. Exactly. And I don't think that we have anybody that has anything for Darius Garland. I just think he's too quick. Um Marcus Smart doesn't do great against him. There's been multiple times where Garland has just absolutely toasted him. Remember last year, one of the first games of the year, um, Smart was covering him on the left wing and Garland just beat him like right off the bounce for a layup that I think either won them the game or gave him the lead late in the game. And Smart was just like, what do you want me to do? You know what I mean? Like (laughs) the guy's so quick. He's probably the quickest guard in the league right now. So you have those two guys. I just think they're kind of matchup nightmares for the Celtics to stop, even though you know, it looks like we might have the guys to stop them. They're just really hard to guard. And then the thing is, dude, I think Dean Wade covers Tatum really well. I think he could give him some issues. Um, not that he's going to shut down Tatum, but like, I think yeah. it could be sneaky. Like it's game five. We're like, man, Tatum shooting 35% from the field in this, in this series. Like is Dean Wade really that good at defense? It's like, oh, he's six ten and he moves his feet. Well, you know what I mean? And then they got Mobley. And I think Mobley's the idea that Mobley at any point could just like make another leap scares yes, the that's hell out right of there. Me. Scares that's... the hell out of me, bro. I don't want to see Mobley in the playoffs because I'm just like, this guy might, it just might be the year where it's like, oh, it happened in the playoffs and now Mobley is like a top 10 player in the league. Yeah, that's, that's to me, that's the biggest part. The two biggest parts for the Cavaliers to me are number one, they have a guy in Donovan Mitchell who will look at Tatum and Brown and say, oh, you want to have a, you want to have a scoring fest and go, you go, you get 40 and I get 40 game let's do it bet let's we're good and they have a guy that can do that the other part like you mentioned is evan mobley evan mobley it's just there's a leap coming at some point maybe it's next year maybe it's you know a playoffs two years from now i don't know when it's gonna come but that's the that's the kind of the unknown that like even if he doesn't have the leap he's still gonna be really good but if that's the moment where he decides to be like uh, yeah, I, you know, everyone that like has tried to compare me to KG, I'm just going to actually turn into K- this is my full Charizard moment mm-hmm. right now where I become, you know, new age Ke- Kevin Garnett right in your face. And so that's the part that scares me the most. And when you have him and Allen, I think together defensively, you know, and even though Mitchell and Garland, I think could be not a liability, you know, Garland a little bit. Mitchell's been playing better defense this year. Like, I think when you have those two guys kind of roaming that, that back end, like it's, it's a very comparable to having Allen Rob. Right. And so they have a lot of ways that they can clean up a lot of messes on the back. And both of those guys are going to be able to guard, you know, especially the bigger guys of the Celtics don't really have a jitterbug 
type guy that's going to give them too much trouble. I mean, they're going to have, you know, they're going to be able to contest Tatum. They're going to be able to contest Brown. They're going to make their lives difficult. There's not really a switch that you're they're going to get and feel like it's a huge mismatch. And so that gives them, I think, an opportunity to be a surprise team in the postseason. Their depth is, is, is where it kind of loses it a little bit. Like you said, Dean Wade, solid. I, I, I'm not maybe probably as high on him as as you are. I don't think he's bad, but I don't think the rotation of him, Lavert, and C.D. Osman and Isaac Okoro, that's kind of your, you know, I like Rubio as a backup point guard, and then the, but that's kind of your backups right there. Those other guys, eh, I, that that just doesn't really do it for me. But that top four can match up with basically any top four in the league talent wise. And so I, I'm with you. I think Cleveland for that reason is the team that I would look at outside the bucks that, that really scares me more than any other team in the East, especially now, obviously that Brooklyn has completely shifted their focus, even though they're, they're a nice frisky team, but like mm-hmm. Cleveland is the only team. And then Miami is just Miami, man. They're, I don't know. I like, I, I feel like I don't want it. Like I'm not scared of Miami. I just don't want to play them, man. I'm so sick of playing yeah. Miami. Same. Just done. And and dude, even looking at my my eight here, um, so I the reason somebody might look at that and be like, why don't you have the nets on there? So I'm I'm imagining the nets are gonna fall out of the top six. So maybe they won't, you know, and then they end up in the playing game, and then maybe in the playing game they they fall out. Yeah. Um, I, I do think there's a world in which the Nets could end up in the top six, though. I still like, I still yeah. like their they're, overall. They're, they're gonna they're gonna be fun, man. I, I've watched a little yeah. bit of their highlights. Like, I, I think they're still gonna find a way to be in that top eight. Um, the Hawks just fired their coach. We'll see which way that goes. Mm-hmm. Wizards, who knows? It's a crapshoot. And I would bet that I think the Nets hang on somehow, some way above those two teams, but also wouldn't be surprised to your point if the inverse happens. Yeah. Uh, any other Celtics questions that you have before we do one or two NBA at, at large questions and then get out of here? We've already stepped on my NBA at large questions. We've already answered them. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. Well, yeah. then I guess let's 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 stick with one that I think kind of goes along with with what we're talking about with like that top end depth. So the big thing that we're all waiting to see is Kevin Durant with the Suns. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen it yet. It's going to be a little bit. I don't know when exactly that's going to be, but right now on you know February twenty first, do the Suns win the West? Yes. Oof. Okay. And so, you know, two things that I wrote down here in my notes. So at least in recent memory, you know, obviously there's fringe moves that get made that help bring a team to a championship or, or to an NBA finals. Like the two that I really think of where it was core pieces that were, they, they weren't as big as Kevin Durant, not much as this big as Kevin Durant in the middle of the season going to your team. But I think of the Pau Gasol move to the Lakers in which they end up in the finals, lose to the Celtics in 07, 08. And then you have Rasheed Wallace a few years before that going to the Pistons where he jumps in and becomes their, you know, whatever it is, their best player, second best player. I don't know. That team was, you know, five, four or five guys deep that you could have made a case for. And then they ended up winning the NBA championship. So my point being, it's very rare that this big of a flip or transition is made in season and then ends up with that team being in the finals and or winning the finals. So I don't, I don't know that I'm there yet. I think I would still take the competitive field in the West over Mm -hmm. the suns, but I'm fascinated to watch it. I can't wait. I'm so excited to see what that, what that's going to look like. Dude, I can't wait to uh, just watch some games with you. Yeah. You know, watch some games down the stretch. Maybe we'll do some, maybe we'll do some playbacks. Who knows, man? Like I would even do a playback if it weren't a Celtics game. Yeah, we got to get some playbacks going. So that's that's going to be good. Make sure y'all are following us as always at Green MB Pod. Make sure you follow us. We'll let you know when we're doing uh, when we're doing a playback. We're going to be doing a couple more here down the stretch of this season to get back into it. Maybe we'll do a couple of playoffs. Probably not every playoff game. Maybe a couple of playoff games in here as well. Uh, but my last question I had for you, Greg: Does LeBron James ever make the playoffs again? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, dang. yeah. That yeah, is, how, that yeah. Is how you question. like that for spice? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know we were throwing that in. <laughs> I thought we were done here. Oh uh, man, I'm gonna go the playoffs. So he has to make it out of the playing tournament. And I'm saying ever, not just this year, ever. Yeah, no, I I know, man. Um, dang, I'm gonna have to think on that. I, I think <laughs> gut gut reaction would be yes. He makes it at least one more time, just because I think he's probably gonna play like three more years i would imagine but i also wouldn't be surprised if like next year he announced that it was his last year in the league mm-hmm. um so yeah man that's a tough that's a really tough question i think i think i gun to my head yes because i'm gonna bet on lebron 
10 times out of 10, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty fun fair question. bet. Fun question. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty Throwing fair a bet. Grenade. But... <laughs> grenade and walking away. <laughs> Had to get that in there. I didn't go up with too many of uh you know, league wide questions, but that was like, I wrote down, does LeBron make the playoffs? And I just thought about it for a second. I was like, wait a minute. Does he ever make it again? Like, yeah, but I, he, he'll probably end up on a team where like, maybe he's not the guy anymore, but he's still like a really important piece. Like yeah. I could see that. If he, a, if he, if he moves, if he moves, which yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, he can obviously do what he wants and make stuff happen, but I don't know. It's just, it's, I mean, it's also kind of sad to think about that. We might not get a prime LeBron playoff game again. Yeah. I would like to see it. So I'm hoping he does, but I think it's a very real possibility that the days of seeing LeBron in the playoffs are just, just done. Yeah, but we'll see here. Second half is going to be starting up here on Thursday night with the Celtics taking on the Indiana Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton. Greg and I will be back at you with another episode this upcoming weekend. Uh, for now, we're going to go ahead and sign off. And Greg, any final thoughts? And if not, let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Y'all know the drill. We're going to hear some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. This is Skywalking from Black Sheep Optimus. Peace out. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody that would go with the flow I could sing a different song If I could not hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes This should be coming down by now But I won't